The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' chair. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues, and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. We continue reading in the book of Ruth. We started yesterday, and we will conclude today. So there's just snippets of the book. If you remember how it began, Naomi and her husband had to flee from Israel because of a famine. They went to Moab to find food. And while there, the husband of Naomi died, and then her two sons married Moabite women, one of which was Ruth. Both of her sons died, so she's left with two daughters-in-law. When the famine was over, Naomi wanted to return to Israel, and she urged both daughters-in-law to stay behind in their own country and return to their families, which would be the prudent thing to do. And indeed, one of them did, but Ruth would not. Ruth was faithful to her mother-in-law, Naomi, and loved her dearly. And so she was willing to actually go back to Israel with her mother-in-law, even though she was a foreigner and a widow. That would have been a very difficult life. But she made the sacrifice. And here we begin to see how love is at the center of this great book. Love of God, because Ruth would adopt the God of Israel as her Lord, and then love of neighbor, the love between Ruth and her mother-in-law. In today's reading, chapter 2, we are introduced to a, the third great character in this book, Boaz. Boaz is a very rich man, both materially and spiritually, a man of great integrity. He's also a near relative of Naomi, which means he's a kinsman redeemer. He has that privilege, that duty to actually go and purchase the property that may have been sold by the family and pay the debts, according to Leviticus chapter 25. And then related to that is the Leverite law, where the nearest male relative of the deceased is able to marry the widow who was childless in order to protect the inheritance and the family name. The name of Boaz means, in him is strength. And we see the strength of Boaz. But first, let's look back to Ruth. Notice Ruth does not play the victim. She's back in Israel now, a foreign land. She's a widow. She's poor. She could have said, poor me. 
and sort of retired into obscurity. But she becomes active. She goes right into the fields, which was her right, to glean the leftover grain that was on the ground. And she did that. She worked hard in order to feed her mother-in-law, who she cared and loved, and herself. When she does that, when she does her part, God is now becoming involved in his providence because notice what it says. As it happened, she came to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. As it happens really is a euphemism for God providence. Ruth gets into the field of Boaz to glean and then notice that Boaz says to Ruth, listen my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Keep your eyes on the field that is being reaped and follow behind them. I have ordered the young men not to bother you. Boaz is starting to take an interest in Ruth because he has heard the great integrity of Ruth, how she loved her mother-in-law and was willing to sacrifice to come all the way back to Israel. He's impressed with that because he's a righteous man himself. When he says this to Ruth, she now demonstrates her humility because she fell prostrate with her face to the ground and said, why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me when I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother and your native land to come to a people that you did not know before. Here's the value of witness. The witness of Ruth's integrity toward her mother-in-law has come to the attention of Boaz. Boaz now is going to show his integrity to Ruth and to his near relative by marrying Ruth and protecting the inheritance. And what's great about this book is that at the heart of this kinsman redeemer, way back in the Old Testament, may sound strange to us in this Leverite law, but it's a foreshadowing and a type of Christ, who is our kinsman redeemer. He has taken on our nature, and so he is our nearest relative, and by the shedding of his blood, he purchases, buys back us who had sold ourselves into slavery in order to redeem us. It's all being foreshadowed here in the book of Ruth. At the end of the story, and we don't really hear it in this chapter, but at the end of chapter 4, we have a little genealogy that plays an important part in the royal line that will give birth to the Messiah. It says, Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Salmon, Salmon of Boaz, Boaz of Obed, Obed of Jesse, Jesse of David. And what's striking about this genealogy is that when the New Testament begins in Matthew chapter 1, this genealogy that we just heard is repeated with one exception. The name of Ruth is added to the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1 because she plays such an important role in protecting, as it turns out, the royal line that would give birth to King David, which was necessary in order to bring to bear the Christ. Now, how does this apply to us? Well, notice that 
as the book began, there was great tragedy and suffering because Ruth's husband died, Naomi's husband died, Naomi's two sons died, they were poor women. And now, at the end of the book, there's this great marriage. Boaz is a wealthy man, both spiritually and materially. And it's because Naomi and Ruth, in their great need, came together and protected each other in love and loyalty and self-sacrifice. And they had that new life and hope for the future. These women were made vulnerable at the beginning by circumstances beyond their control, but they opened their hearts to each other in solidarity. And this person of wealth, Boaz, graciously joined them to create a new family and protect the royal line that would give birth to David and the Messiah. And that's what we're called to do. By our friendships, our loyalty, our sacrifice, we form new bonds. And we're beginning this family of parishes. We're meant to come together and form this new family because only God knows what he is going to accomplish. But we have to play our part. And our part is to be faithful, to be loyal to each other, to be willing to sacrifice, to give of ourselves, and then to trust in God's providence. With that, let us thank God for this little book. I encourage you to go back and read it, to pick up the parts that were missed, and just meditate upon this book and how God worked through this simple woman, Ruth, who had nothing, no privilege, and yet she had this great openness and faith and became the great-grandmother of none other than King David.